Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Safeguarding Voice. This podcast is produced by Education Child Protection and on each episode we explore a different area of safeguarding. Our aim is to empower professionals who work with children and vulnerable adults with information and guidance. This episode, we are joined again by the Department for Education Prevent Coordinator for the East of England, David Leighton Scott, this time exploring national extremist ideologies here within the UK. We hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, thank you very much, Dave, and welcome back, listeners, to our second instalment of our Prevent podcast. Um, Dave, I wonder if perhaps for this second episode, if we could perhaps open up with thinking about the national landscape of ideologies, of concerns. What are we dealing with here in the UK? Okay, so I'll discuss in a couple of minutes what are the two main threats of what I see, but what I think we just need to clarify where prevent sits around its relationship with extremism and terrorism. Mm. That's okay. So in and of itself, uh, um, the people find this a bit odd, prevent it, it is neutral. It doesn't make opinions about beliefs. It's not what it's there for. What it does is there to challenge uh, any, any person's understanding of belief at using violence in a democratic society for to further their aims is a way forward. Mm-hmm. And it would do that around any belief. Okay, so I'm going to I'll mention a subject which uh, it, there have been terrorists the rest of the year, but it's not the biggest threat at the moment. And just to talk about, I'm going to talk about animal rights. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, animal rights, I'm sure well, everybody's sitting there. Animal welfare is something most people have got opinion on, and we want the best for animals. Most people have an opinion Justifiable, on that. Everything yeah. from how we buy our eggs to things. You know, mm-hmm. animal welfare is an important thing. Nobody would criticise somebody having very strong opinions and beliefs about animal welfare. Where it would be concerning in a prevent space and where people have historically have been arrested is if somebody says, I'm really fed up, I don't think enough is happening now and I should use violence to further that. I'm either going to attack a farmer animals, uh, you know, f- commit, f- burn it down, that kind of violence, because mm-hmm. that, or I'm going to harm somebody. Uh, and we saw some of that in the past around Cambridge, you know, in the past around animal welfare. Yeah, letterbox and bombings and All things. Those that, if, if there was a student who suddenly stepped out of line and said, it's not just animals, I think we should be doing this action, this is right, and I would encourage others to, that would be a prevent concern. It's not the what the cause is for. It's that critical juncture where somebody says using violence or supporting others who use violence. Yeah, I believe in, or I'm encouraging, or I'm being drawn to. So if we, as long as we have an understanding of that, we can work on round ideologies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, uh, and it is an important thing because when we when we discussed a review, which I know we're going to, we're going to talk about an independent review, it was highlighted. But actually, where Prevent kicks in, it's kind of niche in the world, really, is around ideologies. Mm. Uh, and William Shawcross, the author of that review, you know, there, it's part of the safeguarding world. He kind of was not too sure, but where it sits is around ideologies. And he highlighted what he was made aware of are the two biggest ideological threats at the moment. Okay. okay? So one is, I, I'm going to use some uncomfortable language, is that, but I have to use it because one of his recommendations was this is the language we will use, and that's been accepted by the Home Office. Okay. So it's Islamist extremism or Islamist terrorism. Now, I know that's an uncomfortable term for some people. Like I say, we have to use it. Um, uh, But what I will clarify is 
there are several loose definitions, but the one I find the easiest to understand, we're talking about a very small number of people, because all forms of extremism talk about small numbers of people, a very small number of people who, again, have decided that the use of violence to further their aim for a caliphate, either globally, somewhere in the world, or in the UK, but a caliphate, but they're going to use violence for that end, would fall under Islamist extremism. So okay. what we're looking at are ideologues who will follow Al-Qaeda, ISIS, that extreme mm-hmm. thing. Because they are saying the use of violence is okay. Regardless of any other, other messaging, yeah. um, it's that, yeah, we Call can for use violence. violence. Yeah. And, you know, and the classic one was five or six, well, yeah, five or six years of calling, we saw youngsters being drawn to Syria mm-hmm. to go and do that. And we all saw the ramifications of young people being drawn into that. But it's that call for violence. He has he identified that the big, one of the biggest national threats is to come from that. That was identified to him by the police. I know a lot of people are unhappy with the report. I understand some of the challenges. But what he is saying there is he has been told by counterterrorism policing. And when you look at the threat level nationally, it says that the threat level, yeah, we, we sit in the middle banding, you know, we're not mm-hmm. severe, we sit substantial, an attack is likely, and they identify an attack from somebody supporting that ideology as highly likely. Okay. And sadly, that isn't just based on their wish, on them thinking that, it's based on, this isn't prevent, remember, this is pursue, this is that counter-terrorism, mm-hmm. the arrests being made and the work being done by the relevant agencies in that indicates to them that that's where an attack is going to come from. Yeah. So we have to highlight that as a risk. That's a risk nationally. So if that's a risk nationally, uh, each region will have bear an element of that. You know, the risks are there. The other one where it consists, the other ideology, which is heightened at this time, is around what we still refer to extreme right-wing terrorism. It's a broader category. It's harder to, what is extreme right-wing terrorism? It can Mm -hmm. be hard. But what we're saying are people who are being drawn into narratives which would fit in with a far-right agenda, but again, are saying they would use violence for that. You know, it's, we're not saying, and we're not defending anybody who's got an ugly, repulsive view, who made something, you know, kind of outlandish in school that needs to be challenged. No, it's going to be. But if at the heart of that, they are saying that belief legitimises the use of violence for that aim. That's a preventive threat. Okay. And um, we have seen individuals using that. If you if we if we, if we took two high-profile ones, one of each, mm-hmm. uh, although it's uh, over a year ago, the, the murder of Sir David Amos in Southend, mm-hmm. very high-profile. He was killed by somebody with an Islamist belief. They know that from the work they've done, and that was highlighted at court, and they've stopped other attacks like that. Um, a far-right one would be that horrific firebombing or attack in the, the down in Deal, I think, you know, mm-hmm. in the south coast where somebody yep. attacked a uh, immigration centre. Fortunately, nobody harmed. The person killed himself. But that was driven by his... Not just his belief around immigration, but violence was justified. And it is always that. Unfortunately, those two individuals, three or four years ago, if they'd started on a path and been spotted and somebody said they're being drifted, could have been preventing fouls. You know, uh, Mm. there's a little bit of me, I'll be honest with your listeners, every time I see a terrorist attack, I think it's a failure. We've missed what happened. Certainly when we see young people and if if you if you're okay i'll just mention the arrest figures which mm, please do the, the, you may have seen a lot of issues around prevent figures but there are the arrest figures were released for last year around terrorism the good news is there are only and i say only 167 there was a drop so that sounds good if you just take a minute though that means there are three people being arrested in the uk each week who if they didn't arrest these aren't prevent cases where well, people are worried about 
they are fairly sure would have gone on to commit horrific acts of violence. So real so, criminality. Yes, you know, there are very often late stage and plans. So that's a, the the danger for us sitting here in education is the changing in demographics of that. Um, the year before that, there were 20 children arrested in the United Kingdom for terrorism. That horrifies me. If somebody's working mm. in last year there were 33. So there were 33 children arrested in the UK where the police have felt, and I'm, I'm not criticising that, but that to have to use those extensive powers. And they are really extensive powers. But if they don't, those children will go and commit or support others committing horrific acts of violence. Mm. Um, that, that may not sound much. Five or six years ago, we never used to see anything like those numbers. They're all sometimes children linked to families. and But this is a growing demographic. And it was highlighted in the report that came out. So that's a growth in from 17 to 33 in children. 20 to 33, apologise. The other demographic to go to grow was the kind of 18 to 21. The demographics of what we used to expect of terrorists being 25 and older, yeah, that was the biggest, 45%. But mm. it dropped. Mm. And it's a noticeable pattern, not only for terrorists to wrestle to reinforce it, but when we look at prevent figures, like I say, I've been doing prevent for over a decade. I'm going to channel panels at the moment, and I went to one the other week. Don't need to say where. There were six cases. The oldest person discussed was 20. Wow. The average age was 16. Mm. Now, we're talking about people who are far from becoming terrorists, hopefully, but that age. Yeah. And and that's a very noticeable trend. And it's been noticed that discussions at the government, that those figures came out in the independent, not an in independent review. They would have come out in the review of terrorism discussed and the, the government intelligence and they're looking at the legislation around this so a real shift in demographic in terms yeah, of age yeah age uh, of and actually is the counter-terrorism legislation do we need to look because a lot of this is online mm-hmm. you know are they keyboard warriors in the discussions do some of these young people have the ability well possibly but we can't take that risk at the moment you know that's the way the legislation is so i just want to throw that in to mm. kind of reinforce prevent why it's important yeah. for us because yeah Islamist ideology in the far right, the other going back to the, the two main threats, they occur everywhere in the country. There's been arrests for all those, both those ideologies in every part of the country. Um, and we are seeing arrests certainly of younger people for both those and certainly for the far right. What we are seeing are both those, idea, the ideologues behind those, sometimes global but online, targeting young people. Mm. We never saw that. The far right is, is, is something I've kind of looked at over the years. We never used to see that. 10, 15 years ago, the far right didn't consider the AU folk. They do. They're targeting young people. And we're seeing some a lot of academic discussion about the way the world's changed, the way information shared online. You know, you can have separate lots of podcasts going on. Yeah, and, but, yeah. you know, but what we need to be aware, it's there. And it's threatening our young people. And it will be in every region. And we need to be aware. We need to be aware of some of those other threats because, like I say, it could be that somebody comes to panel and I've seen it around another form of belief because they've stepped over that line. But they are clearly the two main threats at the moment uh, and they're two where the police are most active and where we see most of the referrals to. Mm. And the far right, probably just slightly more referrals now. And again, that's changed from five years ago where Islamist, where we identified an ideology Islamists are the bigger one, so to speak. Far right, they're, they're equal, if not the far right, slightly more. 
So again, another change. Mm, and that very much tallies, Dave, with kind of, I know myself, I've seen media news articles about how younger people are certainly the focus of being recruited, particularly on that online space, gaming platforms, yeah. you know, community-based forums mm. being those quite harmful online areas where, you know, vulnerable young people are quite often targeted yeah. by extremists. And the reason they're targeting them, because the other is, is the method, Self, if you read the, the, the police, the police would say self-initiated terrorism is the biggest threat in the UK. And it's a bit more, it's the, that means it's the method of attack. So, so a, an individual a, yeah, going out. Self-initiated terrorism, an individual going out for a cause, and that cause can vary, but they'll go out and act on their own. That person believes they are tied to a bigger cause. So online, they are part of a bigger cause. Mm. But those manipulators... No, it's very hard or harder for the police to spot one person going out. And again, the, the, the guy who, Sir David Amos, mm-hmm. and the attack in Deal, both self-initiated terrorists. They've gone out. They feel part of a wider network. And that's part of what we see with young people very often. They, they, we, we do come across sometimes little groups of two or three because they start WhatsApp groups mm-hmm. and things like this. This is other. Very often we find on that, though, it's probably one or two kids who are more leading on others. But I'm sure all 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 your colleagues will be aware of student WhatsApp groups about all types of things, you know. But we see that type of thing. But very often, what they're concerned about is the one who then goes out and acts on his own because he doesn't. And I say he because the vast majority of prevent referrals and arrests are still of young men or stroke boys. Mm. We can't rule out. We do see young girls and women being drawn. We had the into case it. of Rhiannon and Rudd yes. in the media. Yeah, horrific. We do mm. see that, but the vast majority of channel cases. 70 to 80 percent are still young boys at the moment a lot of academic discussion around that use of violence the same with gang culture Mm. girls can get drawn into it Mm -hmm. but the most active violent ones are often still the young men all this idea about young violence the attraction to its young men so that all kicks in as part of that but we are seeing that when we're seeing a definite younger demographic across an age but very apt and these individuals so there may be very limited signs sometimes there are little groups but it may be somebody so that that individual on their own with a hoe of problems sitting there and they, are, and they are being drawn in. The danger is also the people who draw them in will be guiding them how it doesn't always show. Don't be saying these things. You don't want to draw attention. So mm. it becomes a little bit hard. The, the academic research indicates it's really hard because it still spills out. People mm. will say something. They want to explore, certainly at the prevent stage, when the youngsters are being drawn into this. They may sound a teacher. They'll throw an idea out at a teacher because they want to explore it. They're not sure. You know, that cognitive dissonance where I'm drawn to this violence, but I'm still... It's that curiosity. Yeah, uh, my mum and dad have always been opposed to it. So I know it's... So I'll I'll see what the teacher says by saying something out. Mm. Oh, I think they should just shoot them. And, you know, where does that come from? Just is that youngster being drawn in? Yeah, you've got the jack the lads. But is that somebody who's actually beginning... To be radicalised yeah, or groomed being, effectively. Yeah. It's an element of agency. And just if I move then onto the independent review, because mm. I know it was controversial, uh, A, by using the, the terminology and highlighting those threats, like so kind of give an account for one part of it. You know, that's his opinion and the, the Home Office accepted it. But what it, for us sitting here, the other thing he challenged was around safeguarding. And he come to kind of a bit of a strange thing, really, because his first concern, and he highlighted, was prevent being used too much across as a general form of safeguarding. You know, we've got a problem. 
there could be lots of different parts of it, but there's a little prevent element. And if I use that, I can get some support. It's what he was basically alluding to. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an interesting question. And I think that's something we will see guided because he's saying that no, it's around ideology and we need to do that. So what he was alluding to, there should be a sense of agency in that individual, not just their interest. Is that person, is there a sense of agency where that individual is looking to do something or can be drawn into it? So he didn't want the word vulnerability used. He wanted the word susceptibility. Is that person got a degree of agency or susceptibility where if somebody says to him online, go and use violence, he would, mm. or she would. You know, so there are those discussions. So, the, But the good thing for us sitting here is made it easier in that he did accept that when it comes to the education sector, which came out of it really well, really good for us in the Department for Education and those... <laughs> and providers, very, yeah, all the work that's positive, been done. You know, that it's, it's embedded and it's embedded mm. well. Yeah, you're always going to find some concerns, but it's there. And that's where it should stay. And at no point, wherever you read that review, does it challenge the processes? So the good thing is, we can anybody listen to this, if whatever their process is, I'm not saying they can't be improved, you can work on them, but you don't need to change them. Yeah. At no point in that review does it say, we need to scrap channel, or we need to do this. We, that accepts that the process is in place. Yeah, possibly they could be a little bit more robust, a little bit more refined, possibly, or whatever, but they are, they are. So whatever you are learning, so the, the, the methods we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. they all stand. Yeah. certainly for the education state, that state wider state. prevent duty what yeah. providers are already doing very there. established so you start off with your own safeguarding mechanism in your school you use that because that's what will happen yeah you, but it's then identified as a prevent concern by the dsl or the individual who's in charge once at that point it then goes through to the, you know the, the prevent network yeah and goes to none of that is going to alter that process will stay it's so systemically easy. it's going to remain yeah. And there's nothing, nothing at all in that review to challenge that. He doesn't want to challenge that. Where I think we all need to be a bit more aware, though, he does indicate, like I say, around your ideology, is always the right criteria being applied. Now, that is not a decision for us mm. at this stage. At schools, education providers, if you think there's an edu- a prevent element, you put a prevent referral in. What we may find over the years ahead is some of the criteria about whether prevent is the right pathway precisely mm-hmm. the element he mentioned and again people are uncomfortable but he alluded that he felt a lot of mental health issues were being pushed into prevent when they should go to mental health now i'm not enough for the special i don't know you know it's not for us to judge but i think there will be those conversations between the relevant agencies mm. um at the right time but we need that referral to go into the police as you would do. We don't want people owning that risk, thinking, yeah. oh, we can't put it in. We've been told we shouldn't put prevent. Put that. It will go through the normal process. The police may make some tougher decisions around that. But if doing that, they should engage with partners. If it was a real issue for them, they should engage those partners and get those partners to engage with the provider or Mm. you know make both sides so key message still send it in regardless the decision may go a slightly different direction depending on how that evolves over time but certainly at the moment keep doing what you're doing exactly yeah and again once i think what we'll see and it'll take time once some of those once a few of these perhaps i've used the word case or referrals you know and that we learn from some of them some of that guidance then will be passed out via the DFE to yourselves. Via, you know, we will start, the Home Office will kind of 
start to say, yeah, we've seen some of this, so this is what needs to go if you see referrals coming this way. They are also refining, looking about how they themselves classify some of these issues. And they will make us aware because people will be aware and I'm not going to go into around mixed, unclear and unstable. Mm. That's a very hard thing to judge. And I think there are conversations because you, you it is typical. You could throw a case into a group of 10 people and say, where do these fit? And you're going to get a lot of different answers, let alone start to expand it nationally. So, yeah, again, carry on what you're doing. There will be guidance there. I'm sure there will be some changes because the review is asking for some changes. Mm. But that's not for us to worry about, certainly this time. And guidance will come along from that as we go along. Mm, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dave. And I think that's been a really nice oversight, actually, to thinking about that national picture at present, what the ideologies, what mm. the risks are, and also defining between what is maybe a safeguarding concern, what is more aligned to a prevent concern. Yeah. And I know we've kind of explored before about this fine line sometimes between right to protest versus yeah. a prevent concern right. yeah. and where that kind of sits in terms of providers' confidence levels, identifying the difference and knowing how to respond. Yeah. We're going uh, to, let's be honest, we're starting at this time now, so we're doing this in April. I think we are going to see, if you listen to groups, there's going to be a year, I think we're going to see a summer of protests. Protest isn't prevent. And we need, you know, and what we had some last year where schools or different education providers, we've got students who are either going on a protest or doing a protest outside around for environmental causes very often. Do we need prevent referrals about that? No. There's no reason, you know. Let's be honest, it's one of those things where the vast majority probably have a degree of sympathy, you know, around environmental causes. So we, if they're going to protest, I think we've got to be careful. Certainly if students are going to join big protests, sometimes, you know, who are perhaps dealing with more older or more mature students, you might want to have conversations with them about, what a protest is, and if you break a law, there are consequences. Yeah. Potentially, you know, if you if you get a criminal conviction, is it? It's not about an ideology, but it can have a severe impact on an employment later, yeah. later on. But there are conversations you would have about, you know, protests and standards and things. Again, the only time we would be interested if somebody said, actually, I believe the use of violence. The government's not listening. I'm going to attack a government minister to do it, or I'm going to firebomb it. That use of violence takes it away, doesn't it, from just about mm. environmentalism. We've crossed the line, mm. you know. So only at that. But if yeah, I think I think there'll be a. It's going to be a lot of interest. We've already seen it, and you and I were discussing yeah. London. You know, anybody in the centre last London the last weekend, you can avoid it. Mm. That's just the start. So we are very aware of that, but we've always given guidance out around that. So yeah, protest is not a prevent issue. How you protest can be a, a legal issue. But like anything, if there, if you hit where an ideology of violence suddenly becomes to be explored, that becomes a prevent issue. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm sure our listeners will be absolutely thrilled with the type of content we've covered, both episode part one that we did earlier, and then obviously looking in this part two around that kind of national landscape, mm-hmm. what that looks like, and really giving providers and professionals confidence in knowing how to to recognise and lean on guidance, both at a national and local scale. So thank you so, so much for your time. Can I just add, sorry, just please, though, I know that, don't hesitate. If if you have got a concern, contact even my colleagues. Don't don't ever hold that risk to yourself. Be confident, but if you've got a doubt. Send it in. If ever unsure, best to always get advice and guidance. That's it. 
Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of Safeguarding Voice. For any documentation, guidance or resources referenced in this episode, please see the show notes. And a special thank you to David for again joining us. This podcast is produced by Education Child Protection and was hosted by me, Carly Danes. Music production by Abby Dowsett. For more information about safeguarding, you can find us on social media platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And please do listen to more of our episodes that are available in the resources area of our website, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you have time, please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you.